welcome. <laughs> I, I do this again. <laughs> I can only apologise for the quality of the coffee. Um, well, that's what we like about it. Yeah, they say pay their taxes. That is true, yeah. I'd rather drink this. We did do one in Starbucks once, and I thought that we get mauled by the public, you know. You sh- well, you should. I mean, this is a sweet-tasting, tax-paying coffee, is what it is. <laughs> is it fair trade, though? Um, I mean... I very much doubt that. <laughs> well, that's that's arguably the most important thing. So... Yeah, yeah. We've got to keep that in mind. Okay, well, yeah. I'll tell you what, it's, it's, it's a moral dilemma <laughs> ordering a coffee these days, isn't it? It is. It is ever more, it is ever more troublesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think, and I won't drink Coca Cola either because of the because of the ethical situations around there. I've stopped drinking about three weeks ago, not because not because the ethical uh, thing, more the. I know this sounds ridiculous. I should have known this. I gave up for a while when I watched the cleaning program, Kim, Kim and Aggie, and their their top tip for cleaning a toilet is to pour two liters of cheap Coca Cola down the toilet and leave it there for a few hours and then flush the toilet. And I thought, should you be drinking something that is a tip for cleaning a toilet? So I stopped for a while, and then that sweet tooth of mine took over. I started drinking, and then about three weeks ago, I stopped again. So I'd done, I was doing some writing about something, and, um, and the fat tax thing that was coming in. And is it there's eight cubes or seven cubes of sugar in a can of Coke? Is it really? Yeah, I know, I know. That. We, we all know the thing of leave a tooth in it overnight and it dissolves and all that, but you're like, yeah. But when you read, set, I mean, would you drink that coffee with seven sugars in it? Yeah, no way. So yeah, yeah. So I've stopped again, but I know, I know, my heart hearts. It's not going to be long. <laughs> well, yeah, for me, it's the it's the spin up between because Coke does taste nice. I don't think there's any denying it. No, but, but it's a good drink. With it, it doesn't quench your thirst. It makes you want more. Mm. It's pretty much a drug, isn't it? It's just something that you pour down you because you have to. I yeah. think. But because doing stand-up, you um, spend days, if you uh, don't have to, but you spend days before your gig sometimes trying not to drink. Uh, You spend days trying to write in pubs or stuff like that, somewhere you can sit and try and write, and you run out of options of non-alcohol drinks. Mm. Top tip, cranberry and soda. Really? Cheeky cheeky little number. Yeah. Very nice. I've never even thought about mixing the two. You may get judged at night time if you order it, but in the day, it's a good, good, solid, non-alcoholic drink. So why are you not wanting to drink? Why is that In the day? Well... What, before doing a gig? Well, you said, like, for a few days beforehand, you're you're trying not to have an alcohol... Uh, Not not a few days before, but... um, Although I did um, give up drinking for Edinburgh last year completely for three months. Um... And it was a combination of, I've got a child, I'm married, and I had to earn money to do Edinburgh. Um, so the days I had off to write my show were so few that I thought, I can't even risk losing a morning with a hangover. Mm-hmm. And I proper, I have my hangovers like comas. <laughs> I um, Seriously, I can walk past an off-licence and get a hangover. My, just for days. So I just thought, I can't risk it, I just can't risk having a hangover. So I gave up drinking. It just carried on until Edinburgh. And I drink, didn't drink for the whole of Edinburgh, which surely I should get some kind of plaque or an award. <laughs> there must be a chortle award for that. Um, but then it got to the end. This, I'm ashamed to admit this, but <laughs> when I got home, my wife wasn't back. She'd gone to Slovakia. She's Slovakian. And um, and she, 
She, cl- I didn't realise this, but I kept thinking, how come she books her flight for a day after I get home? And I now realise it, so I get home, clean the house, and it's all ready for her. And I went, why does that keep happening? She went, yeah, I do that intentionally. Scum. Um, but uh, you should never call your wife scum. But um, so I'm on my own, I've cleaned, and I'm exhausted, and I'm emotional after Edinburgh. I thought, I'm having a drink, and that's when I started drinking again. I got hammered with like only about six cans of lager, but I was hammered to just the, in your house yeah what? on my own in my house <laughs> with uh, an oasis dvd on full blast like i'm in a mosh pit in my living room and then like self-harming i was you know sort of uh for how bad was my edinburgh i don't read reviews but i was so drunk i read all my edinburgh reviews but i was so drunk in the morning couldn't remember any of them <laughs> God, no. so it, i don't know if it was good or bad um I don't know if that's... I don't know, but I'm glad I don't remember any anyway. But, I mean, is your is your idea of how it went a better judgment on how Edinburgh went than reading reviews? Yeah, surely it is, but that's... It wouldn't, even if all the reviews were glowing, it wouldn't have, um, <laughs> wouldn't have helped that's true. how I felt about it this year. But, um, yeah, so no, no, I don't, I don't think you can get a, a good reflection on your show from reading reviews, but, but equally you can't from my own opinion of it because I was, you're just you're too precious about mm-hmm. it it's not until about four or five months later you go oh, some bits were alright oh, I'll probably try to overwrite it and try and what's it all about when you forget no one really cares about that <laughs> being funny is probably quite important it's difficult isn't it well because you want to you want to come up with a, with a good show I mm. guess but then yeah it's the spin up do you have a big kind of theme and story and art or, so, or something you want the show to people to come away with or yeah or uh, I think I think making it I mean only in Edinburgh is that sort of important you don't you never buy a stand up's DVD I think I wonder what the arc's going to be to this I wonder what <laughs> the show's going to be like. what are they what are they going to say have they discovered something about themselves this is what I want to know well I don't know the best stand ups might well, yeah, but I don't. I, I've never watched a Billy Connolly DVD and thought he really discovered something about himself by the end of that. And there was a good conclusion. I mean, essay-wise, that was sound. Um, but then, if you watch Rod Gilbert, you do go, whoa! Um, at the you know the story and the arc and all the bits, and you go, wow, that's probably how he should write a show. Because <laughs> you warmed up for Rod, did you? Yeah, yeah, I did warm up for him for. Uh, about a year or so, something like that. But mm. um, and that was, to be honest, that I think that really affected one of my Edinburgh shows because if you watch how good he is night after night, <laughs> it's hard not to go. I should really, there should be some kind of arc to my show, mm. and you do, that's a stupid thing to try and write as well as Rod Gilbert. It's not stupid. It's a good thing to aspire to do, but. Um, but no, he's just he's a he's well he's mental, isn't he? He's one off. <laughs> he is, yeah. No, he is very good. I mean, was your material kind of reflecting his the way he did his stuff, or was it still very much you? And uh, well, that's that that's probably part of the, my problem. One of the reasons Rod Gilbert is so good as well is he's really definitely found his voice. It's very you can just I don't think I have. So when you say is your material you, I've got a clue. <laughs> don't know. Um, no, I haven't really found my voice. I don't. You know, I think most of the brilliant comedians you could describe in one sentence. I don't mm. think you could me. Mm. Um, 
maybe a word. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah. your voice, in terms of your an angry comic or your uh, yeah, exactly like Rod Gilbert, you'd maybe say I don't know, ranting, contrary <laughs> <laughs> comedian. But um, I don't know how I'd describe. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't think. But then I think. Um, I think that's why everyone loves Louis C.K. so much because he's an example of somebody who took a good 15 years or something to find his voice mm. and he's like a, he's a beacon of hope for a lot of comedians <laughs> a lot of, well look how good he is and it took him 15 years before he even started getting off that. so that's that's the that's the sort of uh, that that's the inspiration slash excuse I use. <laughs> well, maybe that's it, and that everyone will get that good just as long as they stick at it yeah. long enough. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think I think um, now, like everything should be like that, but now it's not. Now it's really the kind of um, you know the new young who's been you know you could be going two three years now and have a DVD out mm. and. Um, mm. That's good in some ways, but um, yeah, it's 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 I suppose stand up. It should take quite a while, mm. unless you're lucky, like mm. um, like Josh Widdicombe. He sort of found his voice very, very quickly, which is that's, that must be great. It's a completely different. It's it's just changed immeasurably, I think, isn't it? Just because it's unthinkable that that would have happened a few years ago. Well, yeah, you know? I, I remember sort of. From when I became sort of obsessed with stand-up, I remember at Christmas, the Christmas videos that were out, and you could count them on um, two hands or one hand twice. It was um, always Billy Connolly, Lee Evans, Eddie Izzard, Ross Noble, Al Murray, towards the end, towards like later on. Um, Ardlo Hamlin, I remember he had one. Uh, Lee Hurst. So there was about ten at the, at the most. At the most. Now, so. about 40, 50 or something like that. And it's different. I think the DVD thing is difficult just because I don't know how much stand up suits DVD, personally. Yeah, yeah, no, I know what you mean. There's some people that I think are amazing, and then your DVD, watch their DVD, and you won't. Well, you it watch it once, I don't know. It's maybe not something you go back to like a film. Yeah, no, there are some. There are some. Uh, stand-up D- buying a stand-up DVD is quite a risk I always find yeah. I always I've bought a lot of them mm. and um, and there's some where you watch it and think I will never watch that again I'll never mm. sit through that again even if it's somebody you like and then there's ones that think well that's, I'm going to be addicted to that for the next three months <laughs> telling everyone to buy it I remember Steve Merchants was one yeah. recently that yeah. oh, I must have watched a good five six times I loved it just mm. Um, it was very much. A, it's very much a piece, though, isn't it? It's like it's like you, you can tell that it's been worked on. You know, whereas maybe if people are churning them out every year, it's something less. You kind of yeah, that you settle down and watch. But yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I I wish some some of the brilliant stand-ups would do like uh, the Apollo is a great venue, but it just seems everyone's doing their DVD. It's always. You know. And it's not it's not a good venue for comedy, I don't think. Not if you were going to choose, I don't think you'd. Well, yeah, I think um, it's quite. It's a bit big, and it's there's, huge, there's um, yeah. just yeah. Uh, just from watching Rod on tour, and like literally some of the um, is a cat that looks like Nicholas Lindhurst tour. Some of the theatres I saw his show in, I'm not exaggerating. You could feel you could feel the balcony 
vibrating with the laughter mm-hmm. and the atmosphere and it was it was unbelievable and the callbacks to that show me and his um a bloke who drives for him sometimes rick we were we used to watch it at the back like that and it was like watching we described it it's like watching a heavyweight boxer land about nine punches in a row where you go oh ah oh and um and his dvd is brilliant and that but I, you can never capture that atmosphere in the hammersmith apollo i don't mm. think mm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for a, for an intimate event. I think there's mm. a reason that it's always been in cellars and you know, yeah. intimate, and everyone's around you. There's a what is it? The the Bracknell Comedy Club. Um, uh, Catherine who runs that. She's really nice. She said uh, <laughs> it's a perfect comedy club. Like people, it's most people's favourites when they're top five because it is in a cellar, low ceiling. And she always says, say what you like about the Victorians, they knew how to design a comedy club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's excellent, yeah. 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 And I, I heard uh, Stuart Lee actually say something about how, you know, the stand in Edinburgh, yeah. that that is everyone's favourite room, but it's a really odd shape. Yeah. I mean, there's like... Cause there's three that three rooms. Well, yeah, because there's that bit along the side, and then... Bit there, then the bit there. Those people can't see that, but... Because of the atmosphere, it's it's so much. Because of the low ceiling, I always find that quite a tough kid. Because, because sometimes this is what moany comedians are. You constantly moan about, oh, this, oh, this is terrible for stand up. Well, oh, look, look. And then you go into some of the gigs like that that are like really good, and you go, oh no, this, this is if this is bad, then it's only me that can be blamed for this. <laughs> it feels more pressure. <laughs> At least you know you can't like you can't have a bad gig there and go. Uh, the, the light in but no no it was, it was good wasn't it yeah just me clearly just me then. so you, you don't like it because you don't have any excuses pretty much yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need an excuse <laughs> well no I think that that's a yeah that's a valid point isn't it yeah. and you can't judge it, uh, blame it on the audience either because they're always very nice yeah how dare they so when you go to Edinburgh now where are you performing what sort of rooms um, <laughs> what sort of rooms? Or is it just? A, I mean, a, the sort of fifty-seater yeah. kind of. Oh right, I thought you wanted me to describe the rooms, <laughs> all of them, not suited what for comedy. <laughs> um, uh, um, I, I did, I did, I actually did. My, not the last one I did. The one before was sixty, yeah, which was really nice. The balcony and the gilded blue, really nice. And then the one just gone, I did the billiard room. Um, not so nice. Uh, it was um, because it was supposed to. I was told it was ninety or something, mm-hmm. and they changed the room round. It was down one end, and they changed it like that, so that the whole audience was the whole length of the room. And I've it, been in there. And yeah. it was. It's already a pretty big room, and it went from ninety to a hundred and something, which is a big leap in Edinburgh. And there was a big walkway down the middle. Walk way around the sides. See that I need an excuse. Um, <laughs> I had a lot in that room. Um, there was a, a, an alleyway next to it, so you could hear people emptying bottles every mm. ten minutes. Mm. And uh, they say about the noise leakage of rooms in Edinburgh, which you expect. But uh, above me, there's a show of a drum kit. <laughs> so um, all in all, it was a perfect storm of crap. <laughs> and um, and my and it was. Ten to seven as well. I mm. I wanted between seven and eight, and mm. um, they said seven. I was like, oh, oh, right, that's right on the limit. And then it got to it, and they went, that's uh, that's ten to seven. And psychologically, 
again, this is petty. This shows how petty comedians are. But um, it's a big difference. That ten minutes. Mm. If you say to someone you're coming out at seven, no, you know, you say to someone you're coming out at six fifty. Oh, I'm having dinner. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and 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 you feel that the, the audience, the audience expectations are maybe slightly different. There's definitely times like I don't know, four o'clock is sketch time yeah, on yeah, the fringe, yeah. I isn't think it? Those unwritten rules. But I mean, yeah. stuff like that. Do you ever kind of think, well, is it really worth it? <laughs> I don't know with the whole Edinburgh thing. <laughs> just Did because you... there's so much emphasis on it. Yeah, and I just think I'm the wrong wrong person to ask about this. But uh, yeah, I mean, just more and more people are kind of that's what they have to do, and they almost feel like they're being squeezed more and more and more. Yeah, and there's more and more comics. I love the question, is Edinburgh <laughs> worth it? You ask me that like I've never considered it. I thought that hourly for a month <laughs> during August. Um, I, um, I, well, I'm, not, well, I'm, I'm writing a new hour this year, but I'm not doing Edinburgh. I'm writing a new hour mm. of stand-up um, to be a better stand-up, f- f- and the material was for me to do at gigs and be a better stand-up rather than I'm writing an hour for Edinburgh mm. because I mean is it but it annoys me in some ways when people go and I've said it myself and you go oh Edinburgh's good because it makes you write like, well you shouldn't have to lose seven grand to write I mean you could go and live in Australia for a month and write and do open spots and write an hour mm. and that would be um, cheaper than doing Edinburgh and it's not all about the money but it's certainly not what else is it about now? Oh, no, it's a complete... It's, it is... And the amount of money that people lose is just... It's mm. horrible. I, well, yeah, I'm I, uh, slightly resentful. Well. I missed the birth of my first child because I was in Edinburgh. And that's quite tough. The next... Like, the year just gone was, like, his first birthday. and missed his first birthday as well. Not nice being on stage. Mm. You can hear a drum kit above you, bottles being emptied, and thinking, oh, I missed my son's first birthday. Lovely. Um, And uh, I remember remember, um, a woman brought her child into the gig. She had a one-year-old, who was pretty much the same age as my son, into the gig. And I said to her, at the start, I went, oh, now that's not the sound of an adult. I said, is that something about a baby? And she said, yeah. And I went, did it? Is there an age limit on my show? I'm sure it's 14, isn't it? I mean, that, that way off. So did the store staff not say anything? She went, yeah. Well, what did they say? She said, they said, leave the pushchair downstairs. <laughs> well, they're on it. So I don't know. But to be fair, what a, what a child. To be, I did the whole show, I think, in an hour, the baby went, Bah-h-h-h. twice. I mean, that's better than a lot of adults. <laughs> so, um, but I did say to her, "Thanks very much for this, madam." I'm trying to take my mind off the fact I've missed my son's first birthday. And what do you do? You bring a baby to the show. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I. Yeah. No. I absolutely see. I think maybe people are just. It's getting to the point where Edinburgh's too big, and it's just gonna. Yeah, I think people. Bit. People sort of. Uh, a lot of people are saying that, but I don't. I don't think they. I think it's a bit cheeky. They're going to have to change the name. You can't call it the Edinburgh Fringe anymore. <laughs> you can't call it a fringe festival when there's millionaire comedians popping up to do a week. It's not a fringe anymore, is it? It's mm. you know. So, um, like I said, wrong person to ask. I've got <laughs> horrific attitude, and I'll tell I'll tell you my theory. Uh, you may need to cut this out. Uh, my theory is, and 
people might not like me saying this, but um, I think Edinburgh is possibly... Now, I love Edinburgh as a city. My family's from Edinburgh. My mum's from Edinburgh. But uh, for a comedy festival, I think it's possibly the worst city on the planet to have a comedy festival. Nothing to do with weather or hills, none of that normal rubbish. The fact that the demographic is made up of middle-aged, middle-class, white Scottish people and posh, white English students. Mainly white people is what I'm saying. That is not a fair demographic. If you look out of the audience and it's just middle-class white people, and who else can afford to go to Edinburgh? I don't know anyone who goes to Edinburgh and spends... <laughs> goes to see five shows in a day at a tenner a tenner ago it's not it's not a normal demographic <laughs> that's my theory anyway it's one of the wisest <laughs> things I don't know <laughs> people like, so I inverted racism what I've just said there but um, thank you very much for no the problem. interview it's perfect thank so you. We're, we're finishing on me slagging off Edinburgh yeah, yeah I think that's the best way I don't think Good there's night. any other way no no I mean <laughs> If I've got any other racial theories, I'll come back to you. <laughs>